0: You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. Okay, so today we are kicking off a brand new speaking series called Wholehearted. Uh, and part of that is about revisiting some of those words and terms that we might have used ourselves, or perhaps we've heard other Christians use when it comes to what it means to be whole, uh, to live sort of wholehearted lives with God at the centre. And so, there's four particular words that we're kind of going to look at over the next few weeks, and one of those uh, is salvation. And so that's what we're going to be thinking about today. Oh, sorry, forgot about that bit. Um, so. I wonder when I say the word salvation um, or maybe like a a phrase linked to that you know like being saved or getting saved you know what what comes into your mind I won't get you talking to each other because we'd be here all day we could just talk about that forever but um, yeah what what maybe comes into your mind what do you see or imagine and maybe think about where that comes from so for me I think it reminds me of some of the more evangelical settings that I grew up in and probably stayed immersed in throughout my 20s so um, maybe even like a little bit of street preacher vibes you know people sort of you know calling out to be to repent and be saved or to receive salvation was another phrase that was quite um, common and I actually even remember talking about people in terms of like whether they were saved or not you know a kind of line to draw about whether people were in or out and I don't know if that's been your, your experience, but that's what it makes me think of when I hear that word. And this idea of, of being saved or being safe from something and enabling others to also be saved was really key to that type of Christianity. And it, it really shaped, I think, my early understanding of um, yeah, I think what it meant to be a Christian, so both, both in terms of personally, how I saw myself and my relationship with God, but also how to live that out around others and you know, what I was supposed to be doing in the world. And I think now, um, because of lots of different reasons, my understanding of that word and what it means has really shifted. And so I want to kind of walk you through a little bit of that this morning uh, based on lots of different things that I've read and come across over the years. And hopefully where we'll land is perhaps having a more expansive, uh, wider understanding of what salvation might mean in a faith context, but particularly in a progressive Christian faith context. Um, and actually, I, I'm excited by that wide and expansive definition. I'm not. I don't want to bin the word salvation at all. I think um, it just needs understanding and unpacking. I'm excited by I think what it what it can mean and what it does mean. So, uh, firstly, a bit of background. So if you know me, you'll know that I'm like a, I don't like to tell loads of people, but I am a massive Bible geek. And so when it comes to sort of looking at a word like this, I get all my big books out and I go on a bit of a treasure hunt to see what I can find. And that was me this week. I had a great time just understanding this word, where it comes from, where it's been used, some of the sort of wider meaning. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a a whistle-stop tour through um, some of that in terms of how that word um, has been traditionally used, particularly in the Bible, and, and maybe what that tells us about what it could mean. So in the Old Testament the root Hebrew word used for salvation is yash and it has this sort of basic meaning of like being wide or roomy so it's it's sort of this sense of like having space and being free. And does um, anybody listen to the Liturgist podcast here? Anybody familiar with that? It's a really good podcast. Um, and in preparing for this talk, I noticed that they'd actually done an episode of the podcast where they discussed salvation. Um, and uh, the, one of the presenters said, actually, a better way to describe salvation is to say, are you free? Are you free? And I love that. And I think it really complements this idea of that original sort of meaning of the, the Hebrew word. So in terms of the Bible the first time that word salvation is ever used in the Old Testament is in the book of Exodus and that's um, in the context of the Israelites um, who were saved from the oppression of the Egyptians so that word they were saved they were delivered is that word for salvation. And in other places it's used to describe how God saves, frees or delivers people from all sorts of enemies. So those enemies are different each time the word is used. So it might be, it might be um, a lion in one case, it might be uh, enemies on the battlefield, it might be wickedness or sickness, um, trouble and also sin. So sin is another slightly like weird word isn't it and I haven't got time to go into that, that um, in full today maybe that's one that we'll look at another time but I recognise that also can be a bit of a barrier so maybe I'll just just briefly touch on um, yeah what that means really so I'd say my like working definition um, would be that sin is anything that separates us or disconnects us from God ourselves or others and sin actually has this really cool meaning. So again, if you look at the, the Greek word used for sin in the New Testament, it's a, it's a word that was used as um, like an archery term. And it sort of means to miss the mark. Um, and the Torah or the law of God, that comes from a root word that originally means or was likely to mean like throwing or shooting an arrow. So if you kind of understand sin in the sense of like we're heading in a certain direction, we're aiming for the target, which is God's way of living. And sin is maybe where we kind of miss the mark or go slightly off course. So that's kind of, what, kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about sin, but I recognise that word can yeah, mean different things to, to different, different people. So another key thing about salvation in the Old Testament is that when God rescues or delivers, he does it in a way um, that then draws that person or that group of people closer to him. So the saving or deliverance from an enemy is not just about the saving and the delivering from that enemy. It's, it's a kind of opportunity uh, for God to bring someone or a group of people closer to himself. So again, that's a very, very short whistle-stop tour, but if you want to read more about it, I can recommend some books for you. So in the New Testament, Matthew in his gospel called Jesus yasha, or saviour. So he's linking the kind of saving and delivering God of the Old Testament with Jesus. And the word used in the New Testament for salvation, which is Greek, New Testament Greek, um, is soteria. And that's the equivalent of yash, really. So it's got a very similar meaning, you know, deliverance from enemies. But it's also got this kind of wider sense of meaning, like bodily health, well-being, and safety. So in fact, the verb used in Greek for the word healing is sozo. So that's the same root as soteria, which is this word. So there's this link to healing, to health, to um, yeah, to well-being. So in a New Testament understanding, salvation is total, you know, it's, it's body and mind, and it's achieved through Jesus, and I would say um, in partnership with us. So I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about this, um, this amazing Augustine quote, without God we cannot, without us God will not. So it's um, something that God does with us, in partnership with us. And it's also both now and not yet, you know, this idea of us being sort of saved and delivered and rescued and healed, but that won't happen in its sort of total fullness until maybe sometime in the future. And also when you look at words and where they come from and where they're used, it's also really important to look at kind of where this word was used in other contexts as well. Um, and, and when you look at, at where soteria was used in other Greek contexts, there's also this sort of, um, I guess, alignment of this, it being about, about health and well-being and wholeness. That's something that you see in other places. In fact, I think this is probably one of the coolest things i found in, in reading, but um, in one Greek lexicon I looked at, um, this I even found a word that was from the same root as soteria that means Means to be on the way to recovery, um, which, yeah, I just think is an amazing way of understanding salvation. You know, I just, I think I could have just thought about that all week, you know, on the way to recovery, in that sense of, yeah, wholeness of recovering from something, being saved from something, escaping from something. So hopefully some of those words help us understand, you know, perhaps some broader meanings of salvation. So, to summarize that bit, maybe it's about being rescued and delivered from some kind of enemy, but that enemy can be different. Being delivered from this enemy is also something that brings us closer to God. It's something that God does and God does with us in partnership with us. It's linked to healing and recovery. And it's something that is about our whole selves. So it's not just about like our faith, you know, our, our kind of spirit. It's, it's about our body, mind, spirit, soul, all of us. So maybe already that surprises you, as I think that doesn't quite align, does it, maybe with what we as Christians have probably historically believed about salvation, um, I would say particularly in the West and particularly in evangelical contexts. And I think uh, we've at times probably reduced salvation down to this sort of individually focused kind of insurance policy, you know, a sort of assurance that we're saved from hell or, you know, the, the wrath or the anger of God and we've sort of got our ticket to heaven, you know, we're saved, we're in, so it's okay. And in his book, A Generous Orthodoxy, Brian McLaren is really critical of this type of perspective on salvation. If you're looking for something to read um, on it, there's a chapter in that book um, called On Jesus as Saviour. And he talks about salvation. It's a really, really good book. So some of this next little bit is from that. So Brian McLaren says that that way of looking at salvation is probably actually like the ultimate form of consumerism or even narcissism because it's all about our own interests, isn't it? And serving our own interests. And how convenient, you know, that we can just achieve that by just praying the prayer. Anybody ever prayed the prayer? Anybody in here know what that means? I've got a few nods, a few hands up. Yeah, you know, so you pray the prayer and then you're in, you're saved. You know, that's how it works. I mean, that is really consumery, isn't it? Like a a nice, convenient product for me to just purchase, you know. Um, And it doesn't matter, you know, like me at Christian camp, I'd pray the prayer every year just just to be safe, you know. If I'd sort of somehow like lost it during the year, it doesn't matter because I could just re-pray the prayer and then I'd be back in and I'd be saved. (laughs) And yeah, I think there's lots of problems with that. And McLaren also talks about how it makes us quite selfish because actually we we really only care about what happens to us you know because obviously if we're saved and the deal's done then you know why should we really help others or make a difference in the world around us and I think one of the impacts of that is then that it causes very little change in us and the world around us and it means we miss opportunities for formation and growth you know why work on myself why do all the hard work why um, you know improve and grow and, and progress and evolve if like you know it's jobs done and I'm saved anyway what's the point in all of that um, and when we look at what discipleship actually means you know what it means to follow Jesus to become more like him that process of growth and discipleship that's very different to this sort of view of of salvation so yeah do read that that book and that chapter in that book is really good and another thing to highlight from that is the way that McLaren talks about the three different ways that he thinks that God saves so I'll just sort of yeah summarize those quickly so first of all God judges and again that can cause a bit of a reaction, it's quite a difficult word but really that's about God bringing truth and justice and it's justice in the truest sense of justice in that you know, it's not about punishment, it's about restoration, it's about reconciliation, it's about things being put right and that's, that's what God does, he saves by judging. And that's linked to the second way, which is about God forgiving. He forgives us. So debts are cleared, wrongs are righted, there's justice, but there's also mercy. You know, there's that theme running throughout scripture of this merciful God who who delights in mercy. Um, So we're forgiven, but we also then show that same mercy to others and we forgive others. And then finally, God saves us by teaching and revealing. And I'd also add healing and restoring to that bit too. So God in his grace reveals, you know, what we couldn't see before, maybe what caused, what we experienced, why it happened, how we can avoid it again. And in that process comes healing, restoration, and I think coolest of all, redemption. So this is, yeah, one of my favourite things, I think, again, I read when looking into salvations. This is um, from Richard Raw and this is from his book, Falling Upward. Salvation is not sin perfectly avoided, but in fact, salvation is sin turned on its head and used in our favour. That is how transformative love is. Um, a few weeks ago, Claire, uh, when she was leading worship, reminded us of this God who wastes nothing. You know, this idea of, of yeah, um, Nothing wasted, even the bad stuff. And I think that's really relevant. You know, even the, the worst of everything can be turned around and used for something brilliant or saved. And that doesn't happen in an instant moment, does it? I mean, it certainly doesn't for me. Um, it's a long process. Salvation can actually take time, healing takes time. And in fact, that's actually why we're looking at healing as part of this series, because healing is is very much linked to salvation. So in fact, the word salvius, where we get the word like salve from, you know, like a healing kind of salve, has the same root as salvation. So healing is intrinsically linked to salvation. It's such a big part um, of what we should mean when we're talking about what it means to be saved or to bring salvation to others. Um, Diana Butler-Bass, another um, author that I really love, says it like this. Salvation is a process whereby we enter into God's saving work, not a single moment of miraculous transformation through which we're rescued from sin. Salvation is a lifetime of practice, receiving God's healing grace and power, being changed by it and offering healing back to the world. The healed heal. So actually, salvation isn't just a personal thing. You know, it isn't just something that's for us. It's for the whole world. It's something we experience, but it's something that we go out and do. You may have heard this um, this famous prayer by Teresa, I don't know if it's Avila, Avila. I feel like I'm, Elizabeth might know the answer to that. I don't know. Contemplative? No, I just thought that was your your area. <laughs> we'll say, Teresa of... Avila yeah that sounds good I'm going to go with that Avila Um, and yeah this amazing prayer um, that she wrote Christ has no body but yours no hands no feet on earth but yours yours are the eyes with which he looks compassionately on this world yours are the feet with which he walks to do good yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world so what we're doing as Oasis through our community work, what our partners who are using this building are doing is the work of salvation. You know, that impact report you're holding in your hands or is, is nearby you, um, they're salvation stories. You know, they're about bringing salvation to the community, to the, to the world. It's not just um, about us, it's about everyone. Things like food insecurity, uh, mental illness, loneliness, fuel poverty, these are all enemies, enemies that we're fighting with God's help. That is the work of salvation. Um, another name that I don't know how to pronounce, Cynthia. Someone in her book, *The Wisdom Jesus*, which is an amazing book actually, um, echoes this this thought. I think in her reminder of how salvation wasn't actually a word that Jesus or his followers really used. So she says this: for the earliest Christians, Jesus was not the savior but the life giver. So in the original Aramaic of Jesus and his followers, Aramaic would have been the language that they spoke. There was no word for salvation. Salvation was understood as a bestowal of life, and to be saved was to be made alive. And that's pretty cool. (laughs) To be saved was to be made alive. One more quote. Uh, this time, actually, from a book by Johnny Baker and Kathy Ross on pioneering spirituality, um, and uh, it's on a chapter thinking about holistic spirituality, but particularly from an African perspective. So, um, really interesting sometimes to consider perspectives from um, yeah different kind of cultures to ours. And I really loved this: salvation is not only spiritual; it is holistic. Salvation is about humanising the entire person and helping the person become more whole in every sense of the word. This includes spiritual wholeness, but also must include emotional, physical and even economic wholeness. So can you see why we're talking about this now in the context of this speaking series? Because salvation is about helping people become more whole in every sense of the word. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, economically. This is the kingdom of God. This is the shalom of God. And that's another word that we're going to look at in a few weeks time. So, salvation is not a state you reach after a prayer you pray. I think it's a way of life. It's not a destination you reach, but it's a path you walk It's not a ticket to heaven, but it's about experiencing heaven on earth right now. It's not just about your spirit and your soul. It's about your body and your mind. It's about wholeness, the whole of you. And it's not just about you. It's actually about everyone and everything. And it isn't to save you from God's anger because where there's justice, there's also mercy and forgiveness. And it isn't a club you're in or out of. It's a kingdom you were born to belong to. It isn't instantaneous, it's lifelong, and it is right now, but it's also not yet. And it's being on the way to recovery, whatever that means for you. I think about what that means in so many different ways to us, to some of our experiences, knowing what some of us have walked through even recently, but also what it means in the context of what happens in this building. I think about our six um, addiction support groups that meet in this building and what the word recovery, what, what salvation in this way and understanding in this way might mean to them, being on the way to recovery. Okay. I'm aware I've chucked a lot at you but I think I like doing that and <laughs> uh, maybe your brain's a bit wool we need some some time to think and process but we always say that Sunday's kind of the beginning of something you know so we chuck loads of stuff out and it's maybe the beginning point of chewing it over and thinking it through and discussing it and that's why coffee afterwards is so important because we can begin to kind of chew over this and go right what does it mean you know um the kind of now what now we've heard it. But I just want to maybe spend a few minutes just as we, um, we bring the service to a close, just reflecting on that prayer um, yeah, that we, we heard earlier, the, the Teresa of Avila. That's how I decided to say it, wasn't it? Um, so I just want to read it again and then maybe um, just lead us in a, in a bit of a prayer, um, just where there'll be some space, I guess, for us to reflect on what are the ways that you, um, yeah, you're called to be Christ in the world as you go into this week. But I'll get to that. So I'll just read the prayer again. Christ has no body but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours, yours are the eyes with which he looks compassionately on this world, yours are the feet with which he walks to do good, yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. So maybe let's just um, pray together and I just want us to think about those four things those hands feet eyes body and just for us all to reflect on maybe what are the ways we're called to use those things in our own lives in the jobs that we have in the homes that we're in in the friendships relationships communities and settings that um, that we're in and and that's how we'll we'll finish today so um, yeah let's pray yours are the hands so you might want to just be aware of your hands right now you might want to wiggle your fingers or look at them or just feel them and maybe think about some of the specific things that you, you do in your every, everyday life whether it's being a parent or the job that you do Someone that you care for. Something that you create. And what are some other ways that you're called to use those hands to be Christ in the world? yours are the feet so again just become aware of your feet wiggle your toes or put them on the ground become aware of them and become aware of some of the places that you are called to go the path that you've walked the places you go that others don't And how can you recognize Christ walking with you? Yours are the eyes. I don't know how you can become aware of your eyes, but you probably could. Move them around, don't put yourself in the eye. (laughs) But what do you see? And how do you see and celebrate for a moment your perspective on the world, the way you interpret, the way you analyse, the way you view things and how that's different to anyone else? And what is God inviting you to see today and this week? Is there anything that he's maybe inviting you to have a new perspective on? Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassionately on this world. Christ has nobody now on earth but yours. Amen. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.